0: Elvis, 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 Elvis,
1: Elvis, 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 We've lost track of our lives and so have you because you've tuned in to listen to Elvis has left the movies the podcast series my friend Morgan and I barrel our way down a flaming highway to hell by watching all 31 of Elvis's movies we don't know why we're here on this journey we don't know why you're here on this journey but hey we're all in this together my name is Matt and Morgan what are we watching today
0: (laughs) today we're what are we watching today are we are we talking about um Al Capoco no not yet (laughs) <laughs> oh, God damn it! <laughs> Apparently, one of us is not here for this today. <laughs> and it's me. Uh, we we're talking about It Happened at the World's Fair, which is a movie that didn't need to happen at the World's Fair, but which did happen at the World's Fair, if I'm to understand. It was actually, according to Matt, shot live on location at the fair yeah. in Seattle. And you can tell that that's where most of the budget for this movie went because everything else looks cheap as shit. So just at a first first glance how do you feel about the movie the world's fair
1: i came out of it i remember my gut reaction was just this is like the most middle of the road exactly just milquetoast bland but not offensive that that was the thing
0: yeah it was like it was close to offensive right it got really close there, there's some parts, I think, that got It's really because
1: close. we had just watched Girls, Girls, Girls.
0: Yeah, right? So I think- By
1: comparison, this thing is, and it's the same <laughs> director. It's Norman Torog again. So I'm like, yeah. how did this guy make both these movies back to back?
0: I don't know, man. I, I don't know. So to preface the audience, in this movie, we have a couple of Asian characters. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure they're not actually handled like terribly, but there is that- classic chinese language barrier that they're seeming to kind of milk a little bit harder maybe than they need to i don't know what it was with it's like a weird fetishizing of people who can't speak english as a first language yeah you know they're like haha so funny look at them go try to speak english oh my god i love it it's just weird right Imagine going to a theater and being like, oh, I love it when they can't (laughs) speak (laughs) English.
1: This is is my jam. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's what this movie is kind of like, right? It's not super offensive, but it's just like, you know, why?
1: (laughs) But yeah, at least their characters aren't predicated on their race or anything.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot of stereotyping. It's
1: just an uncle and his like niece and that's it. They could be anyone.
0: Yeah. Oh my God, this movie is also though like, Kind of problematic oh, in sure. some other areas, which which we're going to get into later. I'm, I'm assuming. So uh, that's the the basic introduction to the movie. Elvis is broke. Uh, he finds. Wait, wait, wait! Before you
1: He's... go off, let me. I'll do the uh, okay. the summary, and then you can do your all right. Your fantastic plot. I just go through good. the whole
0: thing. I, I'm so good at it.
1: Uh, you are. That's why <laughs> the one time I did it was way too much. Yeah. And it, it pretty much killed me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: okay. So the synopsis is, Mike and Danny hitch a ride to the World's Fair in Seattle after the sheriff seizes their crop duster biplane to cover Danny's gambling debts. Mike looks after the driver's seven-year-old niece at the fair, where he meets a cute nurse.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay, so the basic meat and potatoes of this movie is that Elvis apparently drives a plane in this one and dusts crops with his plane, and the shtick to his character is that he's always nicely dressed. I have a feeling that Elvis was personally in charge of that decision in this film. I've
1: actually got a little fun fact. Do you want me to just drop that here about his yeah, wardrobe?
0: Yeah, drop it. Let's do it.
1: Okay, because apparently this was in the IMDb trivia facts, which you can always take a grain of salt. Who knows? But this specifically says that Elvis's wardrobe for this film cost almost $10,000.
0: Holy Jesus Christ. That's a big
1: chunk of the budget. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so maybe more of the budget went to what Elvis was wearing than even shooting at the fucking fair. So, I mean, the, the suits look really good. Like, this is where you're starting to see that really classic Elvis silhouette with the um the high-collared suits and the big cuffs and mm-hmm. everything like that. And the, the really, like, sharp, like, they're nice suits. They're well-fitted suits, which oh, yeah. is probably why they cost so much, right? And, oh my gosh, also, uh, somebody in this, I guess the nurse, was wearing a really beautiful red dress. And that looked great, too. But anyway, that's not important. What's important is Elvis has this partner who's, like, big on gambling and, like, can't stop himself. Like, is literally stealing money from elvis to fund his gambling habit mm-hmm. which is really actually troublesome and in the movie they're just like "eh, it's just a guy who oh, likes Oh, there he goes
1: again <laughs> there
0: he goes right yeah so they lose their plane as a result of not clearing up some old gambling debts and they hitch a ride to seattle and the guy that they hitch a ride with is our asian actor and his niece is i believe she's the same girl from girls 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 isn't she fun
1: fact she's not but she's actually another sibling of the two girls from girls girls girls
0: oh jesus yeah just a
1: different <laughs> one i don't
0: <laughs> like come on
1: it's so strange it's like norman torog learned after the fact that there was another girl and he's like yeah. wait what why didn't i use her in that one Oh, i'll use her for this next one then
0: god so um what happens in this stupid movie? Oh yeah, they want to go to Seattle because uh, Gambling McGambleson has like an old pal who's gonna hook him up with some work or whatever. And Elvis is like, yeah, cool. I want to go chat up this nurse because she's cute and she's hot and, and I. Well, wait, wait, wait,
1: well, what? How does he encounter the nurse in the first place?
0: Well, uh, oh yeah, oh my god, they're they're driving to Seattle. To go to the world's fair, the uncle is taking the niece. And then when he gets there, he's like, Sorry, niece, I got a big job that I gotta go do. I gotta he's go like do work. A so
1: produce driver? Is that what I don't I, can't I remember. don't know,
0: and I don't care okay. because this is what matters. What matters is he's like, Sorry, niece, I gotta go do stuff or whatever. And she's like, Oh, I'm real sad. And then Elvis is like, Hey, mister, I'll take your niece and just go to the world fair with her and just like hang out with her. I know we
1: just met, but I'm a real nice guy. So yeah,
0: I'm I, we just met. I'm a guy you picked off on the side of the road. Give me your niece for the whole day and I'll make sure she's back by eight (laughs) o'clock. (laughs) and um that's where i started to realize that this movie wasn't gonna be like great to watch because like i couldn't stop thinking about how outrageous that premise was so she eats a bunch of candy and she gets sick and then they go to the nurse's office and there's a beautiful nurse there and elvis is like hot diggity dog and she doesn't want to have anything to do with them because she's got common sense and then Ah, uh, and then um, there's some gambling stuff. I don't care. Elvis, like, gets a hold of the niece somehow again because, fun fact, she's abandoned by her uncle. He abandons her at the, the World the Fair. The
1: uncle has not returned, and we don't know where the uncle is, and that's, like, a thing that's hanging over the movie into the well, third act. Well,
0: yeah, but you, don't forget, though, he literally returned her to the uncle. There was a scene... Where he handed her off to the uncle. So, but then he had to do was... another
1: thing, didn't he? And so they did it. They're like, okay, well, I'll just take her out again, right? I think.
0: Um, no, she, he, uh, he got to the World Fair and she was there crying. And she was like, yeah, my uncle had to leave to go do a job again, but he hasn't come back. Like he, like the uncle literally just dropped her off at the World's Fair and then fucking ditched her, like disappeared. And then Elvis takes her out to go to the World's Fair to to cheer her up and whatever. And then at the end of the day, uncle's still not back. And so Elvis is like, all right, well, you can come hang out with me and my trusty den of gamblers. (laughs) so elvis and uh his partner are staying at some guy's house who he's also a gambling addict it looks like yeah they're
1: in like a little weird trailer park kind of community thing yeah and uh it's
0: not and like it's full yeah. of these like really rowdy rambunctious dudes and elvis is just like oh there's a little girl who's gonna stay with us guys isn't that fabulous or whatever Ugh. his partner is really unhappy about it i was really unhappy about it um and anyway, the movie just kind of carries on. And then uh, they he fights with the nurse. It's, it doesn't fucking matter. It, I don't know how to describe the the love plot. It ma- inconsequential, that's what it is. It matters so little to the actual yes. plot of the movie. It could have been literally anything else and it would not have made a difference. She could have been a fucking stripper and nobody would have given a shit. So... Um, the Children's Aid Society shows up and is like, hey, you can't just keep this girl. Like, you can't just keep her. And Elvis is like, whaa And the little girl is like, boo-hoo. And the Children's Aid worker takes her away. And then she... Like, what the fuck happens? Does Where does the little girl wind up? With her uncle or with Elvis? I literally don't remember the end of the movie. I can't remember what happens to this poor fucking girl. I have no idea.
1: You, the audience, you won't notice anything as far as our scheduling. But there's actually been like a two-week break for us in the recording yeah. world. And so some of these things yeah. I'm like, uh, trying to barely remember what I scribble down.
0: Yeah, we're a little rusty right now. Imagine this podcast is the World Fair and Matt and I are the Ferris wheel but we haven't been oiled. So you're still in the right place at the right time, but you just maybe need to manage your expectations.
1: Painting a beautiful picture as always.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the point is, it's not great. Like, e- <sighs> either the uncle. Sh- okay, wait.
1: I just, I went, I've, I'm, as we're talking, I'm like skimming back through the movie. So the uncle leaves her at home when he goes off on his job right and then he doesn't return so she goes to the fair hoping that she'll bump into elvis again for help
0: awful, awful i know but awful, at least
1: it's awful. not that he like brought her the fair and then just bounced she was at home it's yeah. just that then he never showed yeah, up again.
0: He, he brought her home and then just bounced is is what happened
1: well okay we'll jump we'll jump to the end he got into an accident he was in the hospital
0: oh well that's not so bad i guess
1: you didn't remember that no
0: i i, I don't remember yeah that the
1: big reason. thing was like yeah he like went off the side and like was, you know, injured and in a hospital for like a week or something.
0: Jesus. Um It's crazy. How come they like ugh, it's just why did they call the police?
1: I don't you know remember? Yeah, there's not really any good reasoning.
0: Oh yeah, I remember. Elvis didn't want her to go to the CAS didn't want her to wind up in the group home, so they didn't call the police.
1: Yes. And then there's like a thing where he thinks that the nurse ratted him out, but it turned out it was his yeah, body because. Yeah, it his partner who's and blah, blah, dirt blah. Bag. That
0: doesn't, it doesn't fucking, it doesn't fucking matter. It, like anything dealing with this female lead, bless her soul, sure. and Elvis, it literally matters so fucking little that I don't even want to talk about it at all because I hate it so much.
1: And then the, the buddy that he wanted to meet in Seattle, they do find him and he, he's, he's gonna like have him. Uh, transport. Smuggle some furs. Some furs to Canada.
0: Yeah, they're gonna bring some furs to Canada and Elvis is like this is a bad boy job. I'm no crook. And
1: then they have their requisite fisticuffs because you have to have them beating up someone in every movie.
0: Yeah, Yeah, every movie. They had a a really big fisticuff scene earlier where Elvis and company beats up a whole gaggle of dudes.
1: Right, in the gambling den.
0: Yeah, in the first gambling den. There's
1: like people getting thrown through windows and it's just like yeah. Pretty brutal.
0: Yeah. I think I remember watching that and being like, hey, you know what? Elvis seems to be a pretty good stunt guy. Like, Elvis, he yeah, to... he's got a
1: good physicality for these kind of like roles. Yeah. I mean, he was really yeah. into karate and stuff ever since the army. So, like, he just really oh, was gung ho about it.
0: That's great. I love that. That's the only thing I like about this movie.
1: <laughs> I liked the World's Fair. Ah, uh, yeah. Because it was shot on location at a t- You know, the, the, famous seattle space needle yes which is the big like that was literally brand new they had just built it for that world's fair
0: wow so
1: that's like the most recognizable thing that you know about seattle and that was just like at the time that was like no one had seen that yet
0: that's pretty cool with this
1: little rotating restaurant at the top and everything yeah
0: um well wait did uh, we want to wait
1: yeah where where were we We, because the ending is that everyone's happy because it turns out the uncle was okay yeah and then there's like a big marching band like thing with him and the nurse like having a big old yeah right
0: I'm pretty <laughs> I'm pretty sure I actually fell asleep watching this movie and that's why I can't remember what happened like I said it is pretty
1: dull but it's like whatever yeah
0: it's pretty dull so I don't want to talk about this movie for longer than we have to you know I'm done with the world's fair already and we're like <laughs> 10 minutes into our podcast Matt tell us about who played in this movie and tell me why I have to care
1: well Okay, to really hook you right off the bat, I'm going to jump to... So you remember how when he wants to meet the nurse the second time... Yeah. He needs to actually have an injury. So he pays this kid to kick him in the shin. Did you recognize that little boy? No. That is the film debut of young Kurt Russell. Oh, my God. Who went on to play Elvis in the John Carpenter (laughs) uh, Elvis in 1979.
0: That's strange.
1: Yeah. So. That's weird. That's why that's... Okay. Yeah, that's like one of my favorite little like... Just those weird like movie facts. That's fun. Very interesting. Okay, but otherwise, what? Are, who do we have? The big here?
0: people. Who? Yeah. Who's the big players, and why should anyone give a hoot, nanny? Well, <laughs>
1: they shouldn't. <laughs> tell me, Matt. As far okay. as you're concerned, no one does, but I sure do.
0: <laughs> yes, I know. That's the endless dichotomy of our podcast. Yes. Is that Matt cares very much about the inner workings of the people who made this stuff happen and i just really couldn't give a damn (laughs) but i do like to hear him talk that's fine go matt go go matt go tell us gary
1: lockwood who plays his buddy danny yeah uh this is his second elvis movie he was in wild in the country he was the dude with the heart condition that elvis accidentally kills oh so he gets to be a good guy this time or at least least,
0: uh, well a a buddy he he gets to
1: be friends with (laughs) elvis he's not a good guy he's a bad guy but
0: no he's a good guy he's a piece of shit he literally he literally fleeces elvis for like seven hundred dollars yes or 400 or whatever the amount was but
1: but he doesn't go out of his way to bully elvis and then get himself killed in the process like he did his first movie go around
0: yes that's true even though
1: that was the superior film um yeah obviously. It,
0: it was way better it was so much better but anyways yeah.
1: And then the nurse is named Diane Warren, played by Joan O'Brien, mm-hmm. who the only thing I have listed here is that she was in a 1959 Cary Grant, Tony Curtis movie called Operation Petticoat.
0: Sounds boring.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And then Sulin, the little girl is played by Vicky Tu. So this is her only film. Okay. Unsurprisingly.
0: I love the name Sulin. Yeah. It's a cute name. It's cute.
1: And yeah, like I said, she was another of the sister of the kids from Girls Girls Girls. That's yeah.
0: Oh yeah uh what's uh what's elvis's name
1: oh right oh my god i can't believe we jumped that
0: yeah i totally forgot uh i remember it being like pretty good his
1: name is mike edwards
0: no that's not good at all that's bad (laughs) you remembered wrong (laughs) i maybe i'm thinking of uh al capulco instead
1: well his name is mike in that as well
0: god damn it i know how many times does he need to be mike for only
1: those two times but it's twice in a row which is especially weird
0: weird strange all right so uh who plays elvis (laughs) fun fact it's
1: actually a young Kurt Russell it was his first movie
0: (laughs) Jesus alright let's okay uh, who else is in this movie do we need to know
1: um okay do you remember this you no. why do i ask if you remember because even <laughs> i like barely remember but before we get into all the shenanigans yeah because we established that his buddy danny is a big gambler but we established that our hero mike is like a crazy womanizer because there's a part where yes. he goes to this girl's house and he's trying to make the moves on her and she keeps saying like oh, yeah. can i just make some iced tea i want to, i really want to make some iced yeah. tea and he's like we don't have time for iced tea come on come on and she's like I'm yeah gonna I, I think, She's like, yeah, I wrote in my notes, Jesus, just let her make some iced tea. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not great. And, like, the, the family comes in.
1: Yes. He, he's, he calls her Shirley. She's like, my name's Dorothy. And it's like, you know, all, like, <laughs> you're like, wow, this guy's real good news. Yeah. And then, yeah, the parents show
0: up. Then he gets chased out of the house with a shotgun.
1: Yes, yes. They do the whole thing. We're like, with what are rifle, you? Rifle, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And really, Elvis is booking it. He's got a pretty good form when he's running. Like we said, he's, he, yeah. he can fight and he can run. Pretty good. Oh
0: my gosh. Uh, just to, for the audience to know, Matt actually has a really good repertoire of which actors and actresses are good runners. You could ask Matt, you could be like, Matt, who's a, who's an actor who runs good? And Tom he Cruise. Would say, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah. And uh, Matt, if, uh, if you wanted to cast an actor um, other than Tom Cruise, who do you think is also a good runner?
1: Um, well, not Steven Seagal. He's got the worst run.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I just wanted to show the different... That's the spectrum. You got Tom Cruise as, like, yeah. top form runner. Steven Seagal runs like a little girl. I don't know if you've ever seen him running. No. There are compilations. He has, like, wiggly noodle arms when he runs. <laughs> that's bad. It's really embarrassing, and he's an action star, for goodness
0: sake. Yeah. Do you think they make Elvis run, like, on a treadmill?
1: In between takes, mm-hmm. you mean? Just to, like, keep, keep in shape?
0: To see To see him run? To make sure that he runs properly? Do you think any actors are, like... Do you think they make them run on a treadmill so that they can be like, all right, you're not running the way that I want you to so that they don't have to like make them run on film? Maybe they just have a little treadmill in the background.
1: (laughs) It's part of the audition process.
0: Yeah, maybe it's like a secret thing that they don't tell us about, but every actor actually has a demo reel where they're running so people can see how they're running. That's my theory.
1: That's how Tom Hanks won Forrest Gump. Was by
0: running on a treadmill? Because
1: he ran so good and they're like, damn, this guy knows how to run. And that's a very big, important part of the movie he's got to run for a long period of time. Oh,
0: I see. Okay. So,
1: welcome to Matt's BS corner where he just like <laughs> calls Morgan out on trying to call him out.
0: It's a it's called a clapback, Matt. Yes.
1: Is that what the kids call these so- days?
0: <laughs> no, that's what the normies call it. Mm. Come on, Matt, don't you want to be a normie? You what are you? A- the reason, well let me let's get back <laughs> Okay.
1: Let us Before we get too far out there, (laughs) let us (laughs) return to what the reason I brought up that scene with the girl. Yeah, just to give more of the plot that we forgot, but also because that actress who plays Dorothy is Yvonne Craig. Yeah, who was Batgirl and/or Barbara Gordon in 26 episodes of the 67 Batman. Oh, nice. And she's going to make one future Elvis appearance.
0: Oh, I think it was actually I I (laughs) think. audience will have to forgive me if maybe this is a a little too untoward but i'm pretty certain that that chick dorothy in her brown dress right i think so she was wearing a brown dress she had a massive amount of um you know like uh on the top part where all the all the feminine energy is stored Mm. she Mm -hmm. had a big she had big feminine energy (laughs) I mean, I remember. I don't remember much about the World's Fair, but I remember being like, "Holy Hana Gahonas, that's got a you big." You are not gonga, wrong. Goose. It's it's true. <laughs> Jeez, Louise must be nice.
1: That brown dress ain't leaving much to the imagination.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember very specifically thinking she has a figure that could cut through ice. <laughs> very ba bum, you know ba bing big babushka
1: yeah and she was only that one scene so this future elvis appearance hopefully she gets more screen time because you're wondering the whole time like why wasn't she the main lead
0: yeah i would like to see her in another movie
1: who cares about this nurse
0: yeah i really and i feel bad like she's not a bad actress i just i really didn't like her i was like i don't she looks too much like uh i love lucy she looks like lucy Lucy, Lucy lucille ball yeah yeah. And I'm There's thinking, a
1: bit of that, and yeah, the way their hair is done up and everything.
0: Yeah, too old-fashioned for me looking. I think they were trying to go with a look that put off this good girl vibe, mm. but I just didn't didn't resonate with me. It's like, meh. And nurses are my thing, just so the audience knows. Always good to know. Feel free to send me any fan art that you draw of Elvis in a nurse outfit. <laughs> I am DTF with that. For sure.
1: <laughs> it does make it that much we have to, like, suspend our disbelief because... Elvis is giving up his womanizing ways simply because apparently this nurse is different than any girl from before. He's like really like, no, 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 I'm in love with this girl. Like for real. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, all right, sure. Whatever.
0: Whatever you say, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, anybody else interesting in this movie? We're going to talk about. Okay.
1: Let me go on a small tangent while still talking about the actors. Okay. So we're going to, we've come to Uncle Walter Ling. Yeah. That's the name of the character. He's played by Cam Tong. Okay. And when I talk about him, I'll also be able to rope back in some of the Asian actors from Girls, Girls, Girls that I, due to my bad time management on that one, I didn't like do the full research. And so we kind of like were struggling and, and scrambling to get stuff from them.
0: Right. We lost a few of them.
1: Yes. So his big claim to fame, and I'll also be able to, they were all in this one movie in 1961. It was an adaptation of Rogers and Hammerstein's musical Flower Drum Song. Okay which was the first major hollywood feature film to have a majority asian american cast in a contemporary asian american story and that Ooh. it wouldn't happen again for more than 30 years with 1993's the joy luck club wow
0: wow i know that's crazy it was nominated for
1: 5 oscars and was selected for preservation by the national film registry in
0: 2008 wow ever wonderful i just i love to hear about the national film registry like I don't know why that just makes me feel, you know, maybe they didn't get what they deserve, but at least they got to be immortalized in perpetuity.
1: Yeah. And even by Rodgers and Hammerstein standards, I don't think this is like their best musical. And like the right the the critical re- reaction at the time was middling, but it's really just nice that they had this. You know?
0: Yeah. Like all things considered, like... Today we still struggle with getting reasonable representation of, and unfortunately, you have to use the the very broad term Asian, mm-hmm. which doesn't really encompass, you know, when people think Asian, they think Chinese, maybe they think uh, Korean, maybe they think Japanese, and then you don't get any Filipino people. you don't get any Polynesian people. you don't get none of that stuff. Yeah. so but things, yeah. things so, are better
1: these days, especially if you, you yes. watch independent film. Or, or, or the Oscars are getting better, you know, they're, they're nominating stuff like Minari yeah. or The Farewell, you know, some recent right. examples.
0: Well, True too. and Parasite won the Oscars. Exactly. Too, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, okay. Again, mm-hmm. here we
0: are in the Elvis podcast talking about movies that are better than this Elvis movie. <laughs> yep.
1: The thing is, it's not that hard because there are so many movies that are better than this Elvis movie.
0: Yes. <laughs> There's
1: even there. by the standards of other Elvis movies.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say there's other Elvis movies that are better than this movie.
1: When we do our final ranking, this is definitely going to be maybe halfway up the list or even probably lower. Yeah, just because. I think
0: halfway or lower. Yeah, I agree. Because it, it really isn't that bad. It's not the worst. It's just kind of a drag to get through. Sure. I won't be rewatching it. No. Tell us more facts.
1: Okay, so I, yeah, I brought up Flower Drum Song just to finish this off. So the Cam Tong, who plays the uncle, he plays Dr. Lee in Flower Drum Song. And here's all of the Girls, Girls, Girls actors that appeared in Flower Drum Song. Mm. So Benson Fong, who was Kin Young, he plays one of the main characters, actually. His name's on the poster. Wow. And I know, we didn't mention this when we did Girls, Girls, Girls. Faux pas on my part. But he plays uh, Wang Chi Yang. And then Beulah Kuo, remember her? Yep. Who played his character's wife in that. She's, unfortunately, she's got only got an uncredited role in Flower Drum Song. She's just woman. <laughs> but she's in there. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and same with um, Chen. They're their, like their son that's buddies with Elvis, yep. Guy Lee. He's also in there, uncredited, just playing a student. Interesting. So, yeah, good stuff there.
0: More actors or directors and cinematographers? We'll finish off. There's a
1: few more actors. Okay. Just a handful. So, the sketchy dude who wants to smuggle those furs, Vince Bradley, is played by H.M. Winant. He's got 163 credits, lots of TV work. Mm-hmm. And I decided to handpick. He played the character of Hoskins in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes in 1972. Because huh. I actually love the entirety of the Planet of the Apes franchise in general.
0: Right. It, wouldn't it be so cool if Elvis was in Planet of the Apes?
1: Sure. It would be so cool if Elvis was in <laughs> just any kind of different style of I movie.
0: I know. I would kill for a sci-fi or a horror or just anything I would kill even for like a full like actual musical you know like none of these yeah. movies are actually musicals right
1: they never like pull the trigger on that they don't go yeah. far enough to commit to it
0: yeah oh wow well. <sighs> like I
1: recently just watched a movie called the silencers with Dean Martin and Stella Stevens yeah you know she played the singer in girls 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 and that's just like a full-on swinging 60s like spy movie Dean Martin's just like drinking in every scene <laughs> <laughs> And they, there's the evil yeah. organization and they've got a plan where they're going to control a missile that's going to like blow up the United States and it's, it's
0: just Yeah, but you know what, Matt? Does Dean make 31 movies? He
1: made more, actually. He had a pretty long career.
0: Oh, well, okay. The point is there are other people that acted in this movie and we need to know why.
1: Okay. Let me finish. I'm All right. Because <laughs> I just wanted to show my appreciation for the original Planet of the Apes (laughs) franchise. Okay. Because you might not know that the original 1968 movie spawned four sequels. There are five original Planet of the Apes movies.
0: I did know that.
1: And each one is more like bonkers and delightful than the last. Like it is some weird stuff. The second one starts off like it's just going to be a retread of the first and then has one of the most like ballsy endings I've ever seen to a movie, which I won't spoil. Cool. And then the third one involves some shenanigans where the apes are now in, like, modern day, which was at the time the 70s, and they become celebrities, and it's like, it's just, oh, this is so good.
0: I don't know. They're so bizarre. You know, every, I don't know. I, I, I've I watched the first Planet of the Apes movies, and I, I do enjoy it, actually, quite a bit, but I don't know. It's an acquired taste. Too many monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> one too
1: many, too many monkeys, monkeys for me. Sorry.
0: It's a lot of monkeys, you know? I already have to, like, make do with the fact that I, like, live on a planet with people who behave like wild animals. I don't need to go watch a, a bunch of movies that, like, solidifies that ideology for me on screen.
1: <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Moving along now.
0: We Yeah, we're ready to talk about who else is in this movie. Yes. Okay. So
1: the there there's the most uh, substantial character that lives in their li- weird little, like, trailer park place is named barney he's the one who's like come on danny we gambling tonight and he's like and danny's yeah. just like this guy's
0: you want to shoot some dice you want to go do some stuff you want to play some craps
1: yeah this guy's a total sucker yeah he's played by guy raymond who actually has a really interesting uh dance background yeah so at 15 he debuted as a professional comedy dancer
0: oh interesting
1: which i didn't to know was like a specific kind of thing but yeah i guess it makes sense hmm And so before entering acting for 14 years, he performed both solo and as part of a comedy dance team.
0: Wait a minute, a comedy dance team? Yeah. So not only is. Wait, 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 wait. Does that mean that comedy dancing is an organized sport?
1: It's some kind of thing.
0: Do you think they like have them like in a room together and they're like, all right, whoever makes me laugh the most wins? Or does it have to be like whoever dances the best wins? Or maybe there's multiple boxes that they have to check off. Yeah,
1: what is the level of comedy versus the dancing?
0: Yeah. Do they just like stop in the middle of routine and start telling jokes, like deadpan, and then start dancing again? Because that would be the team that would win in my books. Maybe,
1: yeah. Maybe it's it's like a vaudeville thing, perhaps. I don't know. That's what
0: I was thinking. I'm thinking like minstrel showing and stuff like that. That's Mm. what I'm thinking. I don't know. I didn't do further research
1: because I feel like that would be just a crazy rabbit hole to go down.
0: We'll tell you next week when we debut our comedy dancing team. Ooh.
1: (laughs) In podcast form. How delightful. Yes. You'll just hear a bunch (laughs) of like tap shoes. And you'll just have to imagine it's really funny.
0: Yeah. It'll be like those 1940s radio shows where where, like me and Matt are being like, (sniffs) jazz
1: hands jazz hands
0: and then you'll just hear like a bunch of like footsteps added in post (laughs) and then halfway through the number we'll just stop and start telling like dad jokes and
1: there'll be some really good canned laugh tracks like just
0: yeah (laughs) all right let's what are we doing man What's happening? This podcast is We going we're doing what we
1: usually do. We go on tangents every time every actor we name, I say a thing that they were in and then, then we go off on that thing. It's like a bit. It's fine. It's what we do.
0: God. Okay. All right. Let's do it then. Who's the next person? Well, we I wasn't
1: done with out? him. I oh, just wanted to mention cuz I want to at least More. acknowledge his actual acting work once he started acting.
0: Oh. So
1: he was a dancer for a long time.
0: Right. Okay. But when he started, when, once Then he, his knees broke.
1: <laughs> always with the tragedy with you. There always has to be some horrible thing that happens. His life was ruined, but then he found acting, so it's okay. <laughs> Mostly TV work, but he did appear as Bert in the 1967 movie, The Reluctant Astronaut, which I think was a Don Knotts hmm. comedy. Goofy oh. thing. Okay. Okay. And then there's the two ladies yeah. who I had to, before we started, I had to double check like, wait, which one was which? Because it had been a while since I had watched the movie. All right. So there's Miss Edinger, who's the child welfare uh, services lady.
0: Uh-huh. She's
1: played by Dorothy Green. And the same year as this movie, she was in another movie directed by Norman Torog called Palm Springs Weekend.
0: Is Norman Torog a good director or a bad director?
1: He's a...
0: Answer the question, Matt.
1: Prolific director?
0: <laughs> ah, he really knows nice, how to... That's polite way of saying bad Below average. Quantity
1: over quality, perhaps.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. So that makes a lot of sense as to why he's making Elvis movies. And this is... How many more does he make? Do we have to watch more from this guy? This
1: is number four out of...
0: Please don't say 10.
1: No, it was nine.
0: Oh my God. That's almost 10. (laughs) But it's not 10. It's almost
1: 10, but it's not 10. It's the closest to being 10 without being 10. (laughs)
0: I know I realized that um oh god did he do um Fun in Capoco as well? He did
1: not do Fun in Acapulco. That
0: explains why I liked that movie more than I liked this one. So at this point we just have to accept that there are going to be more Elvis movies that are made by Norman Torah, Yes. And we're just gonna like preface that I think the next time that we get to one of his movies and just let people know that like it's hard to get through.
1: Yeah. The, when we get to like, let's talk about the director. It'll be easy because we'll just be, oh, it's Norman Torah again. And then we can move on because yeah. we've already said everything we could possibly say yeah, about the guy.
0: everything. Good. Okay. So who's the other lady and why does she matter?
1: The other lady is Miss Steuben. She's the head nurse. So she's like the boss of the nurse's office. Right. The actor is named Edith Atwater.
0: She looks like an Edith.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And she played uh, the character of Mary in The Sweet Smell of Success from 1957, which I think we brought up before. Yeah. And we definitely brought up this one before. She plays Mrs. Floyd in True Grit. Oh, cool. The original True Grit from
0: 69. Neat. Yeah. Cinematographer.
1: Um. Oh, wait. One last. I'll just throw in a special shout out to our bit character. So the sheriff that takes their plane, that confiscates their plane.
0: Oh, yeah. The old guy. Um. Oldie McOlders. Yeah.
1: Sheriff Garland. He's played by Russell Thorson. Yeah. And he's got like 139 credits, lots of TV.
0: That's surprising for a guy who looks so young. <laughs> so spry.
1: <laughs> he's probably got a good run. Yeah. Um. He appeared. <laughs>
0: it... I thought you were talking like a good run of movies, but now I realize you meant that was a... he probably runs well. <laughs> that was a callback,
1: folks. It was a fun little. <laughs> Jeez. Um, he was in the classic Clint Eastwood western *Hang 'Em High* from 1968.
0: Very good. And he was. Was he good at it?
1: Good at hanging. You don't know, do you? Hang 'em high.
0: You don't know. You don't know if he did a good job in hanging High*. Have you even seen this movie? I haven't seen the movie. You son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> as much as it's a, as, it's a shock to hear, probably I haven't seen every movie ever made. As much as I wish it is, shocking. I could have seen every movie ever made.
0: Yeah, it is actually, like, ludicrous to me that there's a movie that you haven't seen.
1: The thing is, folks, they keep making movies faster than I can watch them, <laughs> and so I will never live to, to watch every single one. It's a sad fact.
0: That's true. Yeah, it is. It's like we'll never be able to read every book. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, and he was also in Walking Tall, which we brought up before as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Cool beans. Okay, let's talk about that cinematographer, because, yeah, we've already talked about- All right, about... what
0: does he do? Is he cool? <laughs> is he jazzy?
1: Is he like a cool dude?
0: Does he like smoothies?
1: He's pretty cool. He's got 10 Oscar nominations. Cool.
0: Well, that's pretty that's pretty cool. She's... But not not as cool as one Oscar win cool though, right? So, sucks to be him, I guess.
1: Well, you didn't let me finish. 10 Oscar noms, oh. 4 wins.
0: Oh, shit. Fuck. This guy's is- hella cool
1: he's actually might he might be our most like awarded cinematographer oh
0: damn yeah and
1: i thought that one guy from early on was going to be the winner but damn
0: that's a shame because i actually don't like the cinematography in this movie
1: it's indistinguishable from any other elvis movie as far as cinematography goes yeah
0: i also found like for a place that was shot like live on location there were like a few too many scenes where they put the background is like a like a painted fucking background or they're in a studio or something well
1: yeah that's that mostly has to do with elvis's schedule and what they can i was just gonna to say get with him that
0: i think that also has to do a lot with uh, elvis's ten thousand dollar wardrobe
1: <laughs> <laughs> are you sure you need another suit yes okay well we're gonna have to
0: whatever you say man
1: do this one in the studio
0: i hope that was the result of elvis though because honestly with how fucked he was like just by the industry in general So, I don't know. I feel like a guy should be able to get maybe six or seven nice suits out of that. (laughs) Sure. Why not? Yeah, man.
1: This won't be the last film. Wait, did I even say his name? Joseph Ruddenberg. Joseph Ruddenberg is the cinematographer. Uh, This won't be- So, he'll
0: be joining us again?
1: Yes. He will return for another Elvis film. Cool. Which one? I didn't list it because I want to keep it a surprise for the audience. (gasps) And apparently for myself because- (laughs) Do you want to know what he won for?
0: Yeah. Was it this movie? No,
1: one of his <laughs> yeah. nominations was for 1944's *Gaslight*, which we brought up because that was Angela Lansbury's oh, debut.
0: I remember, yeah, damn.
1: And she played Elvis's mom in *Blue Hawaii*. Right, but his win, or at least one of his wins, he did 1958's *Gigi*.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know much about *Gigi*. I I, I know it's about a person, a, a lady, mm-hmm. and it's about her like wild character. And I seem to remember her having some hair and some aesthetic decisions. And I don't think she sings. I don't think that's the point of it. I don't think she sings. I I think think
1: this the movie version, I think, might be... It is a musical, I think. I think there is singing.
0: Okay. So he went for Gigi. So go watch Gigi. And that way you can see what a movie should actually look like when the cinematographer gives a shit.
1: Yeah. Um, let's move on to the writers.
0: Okay. They suck. I mean. They do. They suck.
1: (laughs) Well, you'll probably not be surprised to hear that they primarily worked in TV. And one of them wrote for two films, which was this film and another film. Yep. And the other one also only wrote for like five films.
0: Yeah, they're bad. They're not very good at their jobs. They got fired. They should have been fired before they got to this movie and tainted it with their... Well, I mean, it's not that bad.
1: What? Yeah. what? And (laughs) exactly. And what can you expect from these people?
0: (laughs) It's not that bad.
1: It's a thankless job to, to be in any part of production on this.
0: I know. The dialogue scenes between Elvis and the fucking nurse just make me want to... Ah, they make me... They make me want to... They make
1: me want to die. Mm-hmm. God. What's that you say? Oh, God. That's funny you mention that because one of the writers <laughs> that wrote only for two films, the second film that he wrote was the movie Oh, God, Book Two from 1980.
0: That sounds bad. That sounds real bad. Oh, God, book two?
1: Yes. The original Oh, God was the film debut yeah. of John Denver as an actor. That's weird. You know, I That's love weird. to keep bringing up other musicians doing acting work because it's so why is, strange.
0: Why isn't it called Oh, God, book one?
1: Well, they didn't know they were going to make a sequel at the time, Morgan. It wasn't like Whoa. it is these days where they know they're going to make like a <laughs> franchise out of every friggin right thing.
0: Right. God, Matt, don't you just miss the days where people like like the mainstream movie market would like be like, Hey, we made a movie and it's original Mm -hmm. and it's new and this director we want him to make some art and so we gave him money and then he made you guys a movie and here you go. Do you miss those days, Matt? I do. Me too. Up at night dabbing the tears of boredom and dismality away as I slog through the entire Marvel series. I have not watched a single one. I know.
1: You mentioned this already back in like episode one or two of this damn thing. I
0: can't believe it. People, in the comments, wherever the comments are, I don't know where they are. Do we have comments? No. Not yet. We don't.
1: Oh, we have a Twitter now. I should mention that. Maybe that's a... Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> We're slowly building a social media presence, I guess, reluctantly, because it's like, eh. Yeah. <sighs> Got to maintain that now. It's just
0: hard. Yeah. i mean if
1: only it's 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 important to have it if only so that i can throw in more visual supplemental material remember that episode where i described two frames of a movie for like way too long yeah i'm gonna post the actual frames that i was talking about so people could just see oh. what the hell i was talking about and see the frames
0: nice. yeah i think that's a good idea i'm supposed to be sharing our posts on facebook but i haven't been doing that either it's fine yeah we hope we're, wherever you guys are listening to us, because we know you're there. We see you downloading our podcast.
1: And as far as the analytics are concerned, unless people are all using VPNs, there's like, we have like a global reach. There's people from Europe and stuff and Australia.
0: That's amazing. Welcome to Canada, Europeans. Yeah,
1: it's, we're all like this. Oh, do you want to hear these writers' names? Yeah. One of them is Cy, Cy Rose.
0: Ooh. That's a cool name.
1: He actually wrote the the last episode of season three of Murder, She Wrote.
0: Speaking of Murder, She Wrote, and the reason why Matt is speaking about Murder, She Wrote is because Matt's watching, correct me if I'm wrong, every single episode of Murder, She Wrote.
1: I started not too long before we did Blue Hawaii. And if, yeah, if if people are wondering about my progress, I'm sure they are. I'm actually halfway through season four now. (laughs) Wow. Out of 12 damn seasons.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. I know. Um, anybody else that we need to talk about in this movie? Anybody interesting? Anybody cool? Well, the
1: other writer's name is Seaman Jacobs.
0: That's a perfectly reasonable name. Yeah. For somebody to have.
1: He's the guy who wrote "Oh God," book two.
0: Oh my God! How how is his name spelled?
1: S e a m a n.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Like like the job, like a like a seaman. You know, you're at the sea, just sailing around he wrote many bob hope specials for tv yeah
0: yeah yeah i bet bob hope really liked that Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. cool
1: you really got a kick at it i'm sure
0: yeah um anything else uh i don't know can we stop talking about this fucking movie now <laughs>
1: We haven't even is talked about the songs.
0: Oh, my fucking God. I forgot about the songs. We do that. I forgot all about them. All right. There weren't. Uh, that, there okay. was only 10. They were all bad.
1: Yeah. No yeah. hits. Nothing. No good ones. Nothing that's yeah. going to stick in your mind. I'll just list them off. Do you want to do that? I list them off and you just say bad, bad, bad because we're just going to do that 10 times in a row. Yep. Okay. Beyond the Bend. Bad. Relax. Bad. Relax is the one he sings. Bad. While he, he's trying to <laughs> woo the girl who just wants to make some iced tea
0: oh right yeah real bad <laughs>
1: of course there's a song called take me to the fair
0: right it's bad
1: elvis wasn't driving the truck but he's still singing while in a vehicle
0: in the truck god damn it we we need like a tally shoot at this point of all of the times elvis has been singing in a fucking vehicle because it's getting out of hand
1: doesn't su literally just like pull a random little like ukulele out from nowhere and hands it to him so he can sing along while yep. they're in the truck It's so weird Yep. These Elvis movies exist in a universe where at any given point, people can just pluck a guitar or some kind of instrument from behind a bush and just hand it to Elvis so he's ready to sing another song.
0: True. Okay, tell me more about bad songs. How bad are they?
1: Song number four is They Remind Me Too Much of You. Bad. Then we got One Broken Heart for Sale. Oh. There's one of these, I can't remember which, there's one of these where he starts singing loudly just in his little community he's living in and like all the neighbors join in and it becomes this big production and then one of the wise is like hey cut all that noise out and then they like they they wrap it up
0: i don't remember that part
1: i don't think i imagined that yeah there's also one of these songs i took note of it because it's after the first day of the world's fair with Sulin, lin and they're riding in the, the little monorail right and they're heading back towards the gates and it's like nighttime now and the song is playing but elvis isn't actually singing it it's like his thoughts Oh, weird. Yeah, it's one of the rare occasions where he's not just singing the song. It's just happening in his head, I guess. And that's him. That's so strange. I think it's actually this one, number six, I'm Falling in Love Tonight. Because I think it's like the ballad where he's thinking about the nurse.
0: You know, I would actually like to watch an Elvis movie where none of the songs are sung by him. But they're all just like playing like in his head. I feel like that would actually be an interesting premise for any movie. Yeah, Like it's a musical, but all the songs just happen like you're just like looking at the person's face while they're doing something really like making a cup of tea but there's like a song playing mm-hmm. a yeah
1: the more mundane the task the more big the production on the song is yeah there's like a whole big band and like instruments and everything
0: yeah hell yeah yes okay tell us more songs
1: okay we got three more no four more songs to talk about uh cotton candy land bad a world of our own bad um how would you like to be?
0: I would like to be left alone.
1: <laughs> Which is the song he sings with Su Lin. There's a part where she's still sad because where the heck's the uncle? And. Yeah,
0: he winds up a bunch of toys and like does a little jig.
1: Yeah, there's like a shelf of a bunch of wind up toys and then he uses them as yeah. percussion, like as a little band to play while he sings a song. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Bad. Oh, and the, the final song of the movie is literally called Happy Ending.
0: Bad. <laughs>
1: where they all sing, like, what a happy, happy ending.
0: So, bad songs. They were all dumb. I can't remember any of them. I literally can't, like... I couldn't even, like, sing one to you if I tried. Mm -hmm. That's how unimpressive. Um... Which, I mean, at least, like, the songs were consistent with the quality of the the movie, right? It would have been a shame. Like,
1: it's a flat line. Like, it's just...
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, what was that one? Uh, Which one was Return to Sender? And I remember it was in a really... Uh, really that was
1: girls 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 literally the last the most recent one we did
0: right so at least it wasn't that because you know i don't know there's something sad about like good songs being in the bad movies in the worst movies in the worst movies yeah god yeah that's my story the best
1: part is the worst (laughs) movie so far
0: yes i know like god i just because
1: this is movie number 12 okay we've got an even we've made an even dozen of these now
0: i'm just like dreading the idea that we're gonna watch another 12 movies and i'm gonna have to sit here and accept that the there was literally only one good elvis movie
1: we'll focus on viva las vegas that's coming right after fun and acapulco
0: i'm very excited i am excited for viva las vegas
1: that's the last like big noteworthy one that fans and even the critics i think generally like
0: god right. that's that does not bode well because there are a lot of other we're only halfway through yeah
1: because that's literally right before the halfway point yeah so. fuck
0: okay uh-huh
1: there's wait um just because i'm looking at my little plot point things there's also a whole thing where oh yeah we didn't mention that elvis's goal because of course like we said there's going to be a goal in he he wants to open his own airport with his buddy and have their own little
0: oh right you know Yes, but it shifts halfway through the movie. Halfway through the movie, he's like, no, I'm going to be a space pilot.
1: Yes, it's the nurse that's, that like says, you know, NASA could be using some pilots there for their space program they're working on. And so he signs up at the end right. to become an astronaut. And we never get that movie. Why didn't we get the movie where Elvis was an astronaut?
0: <laughs> <sighs> I want the movie where Elvis is the astronaut. Nothing
1: worse than a bad movie that also teases a better movie inside itself.
0: Uh, yeah, I agree.
1: Do you want to hear some alternate titles for this movie?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do.
1: Thought I forgot, didn't you? Nope.
0: (laughs) No, not this time.
1: There's nothing too wild this time. Like the only alternate titles they kind of bounced around with were Take Me Out to the Fair or Take Me to the Fair, just variations on the fair gimmick, except one early working title was Mr. Will You Marry Me, Uh (laughs) which is kind of okay. Okay.
0: Mister, will you marry me?
1: (laughs) Oh, did I mention? Oh, I didn't mention. Yeah, this came out April 3rd, 1963. This is MGM. This is an MGM movie.
0: Oh, okay. What's the one that we don't like?
1: Uh, Paramount.
0: Right. Fuck those guys. But this
1: one was pretty dang close. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And as much as we shit on Paramount, we should remind ourselves that Paramount were the ones who did King Creole which is like one of his best.
0: Yeah, but that was a long time ago.
1: I know. it feel, That was years ago. We're in 1963 now. Right. 1963. Well, that sounds like a good idea to segue into me briefly talking about 1963 in movies in general. Okay. But not as broad and as much as I did last time I did this. Okay. I'm going to be way more focused. I'm just going to talk about the top grossing film of that year. All right. Which is a big one. It was Cleopatra. Oh, wow. Which is famous for being the most expensive movie at the time. Right. The production budget not even including distribution costs, was $31.1 million, which in 2021 money is $276 million.
0: Jesus Christ. That's a big budget. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And they like, yeah,
1: they went, the production was like a nightmare, but it was the highest grossing film of the year, and it still lost money.
0: Wow.
1: Because it was so expensive.
0: Oh, damn, that sucks.
1: It almost bankrupted 20th Century Fox.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It
1: is. It's. It's a. But it is impressive. Like, it's. You can see where all the money went. Like, there's no wasted money on screen, but it is just. You're like, damn.
0: I've never actually seen that movie. I'm not a fan of, like. I'm always wary of biopic films pre Lawrence of Arabia.
1: Well, this is. This is post Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia came out the year before.
0: Well, that's still pretty close, though, right? Sure. Like, you can tell that.
1: You know, they were definitely trying to like jump in on the bandwagon of these big historical epics. Yeah. We got Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. Yeah. That, you know, on screen and off screen. There's all that shenanigans. Right. You know, they got married twice. They got married. They got divorced. They got married again.
0: (gasps) I didn't. Oh, my God. That's so that's so tenacious. And then divorced again. Yeah. That's sad. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. God, you know, why marry your ex-husband?
1: They just, I don't know. They had something apparently, but I guess it wasn't enough of something.
0: I can't imagine why you would hate a guy so much that after deciding in front of God to spend the rest of your life with him, you're like, fuck that noise. And you divorce him. And then somehow you're like, "Mm, I want me some of that again. I don't know.
1: It's like, damn, he looks like he cleaned himself up. Oh, wait, no, he's a mess. Yeah. He's still a mess. (laughs) He's worse than ever. He's worse, yeah. And this film came out April 3rd. The very next day, the movie Bye Bye Birdie came out. Oh, my God. I would have saved this for our Viva Las Vegas episode, but I feel like we're going to have enough to talk about with Viva Las Vegas that I'll just throw it in here. Yeah. Because this is a, obviously a much less substantial film. Yeah. And the reason I would have I was going to bring it up in Viva Las Vegas because this was Anne-Margaret's like, breakout role. Yeah. Which pretty much led to her being cast alongside Elvis in Viva Las Vegas. I see. So... We talk about this a lot because this was just the boom of Broadway productions put to film. So there was a 1960 stage production of Bye Bye Birdie, and it was made into a movie in 63, and it was directly influenced by Elvis being drafted in the Army. Interesting. It is about a rock and roll singer who travels to a small Ohio town for this farewell television appearance, and they have like a contest to find his biggest fan so he can give her a kiss before he's drafted. Right. And the... Character in the movie, the the rock star, is named Conrad Birdie. He's modeled off Elvis, but he's named as a play on Conway Twitty. Yeah. And would you?
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Would you guess that their first choice to play the role was Elvis? They wanted Elvis to be in this movie.
0: Really, I didn't know that.
1: Unsurprisingly, Tom Parker was like, "I will not have Elvis playing a parody of himself." And I'm like, "Tom, have you watched any of the movies? He's you had Elvis."
0: Say, yeah, Tom. I don't know if you know this, yeah. Tom. But you've literally made 31 movies to do just exactly that. I know. I know. Somebody needs to slap that man. He,
1: he deprived us of West Side Story and he deprived us of Bye Bye Birdie. It's true. Bye Bye Birdie went on. It was the eighth highest grossing film of the year.
0: It was. It was also like. It just,
1: it doesn't even make, so it doesn't even make financial sense to be like limiting his roles like this. I know. If you're in it for the money, then at least do that properly. Like this guy's a hack in every respect.
0: Honestly, Bye Bye Birdie 2 had a really like cult niche following. Mm -hmm. It was this really strange outlier. It's
1: like a pretty popular thing for like high schools to do, I think. They put on productions of Bye Bye Birdie, yeah.
0: Yeah. Can we stop talking about this stupid fucking movie now?
1: Oh man, Morgan can't wait for us to wrap it up. We're almost there.
0: I'm finished. I'm donezo, baby.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, let's end with these few noteworthy factors that they have run down. Yeah. So, you know the car? Yeah. That's at the expo, which is a, a an important plot point because it turns out when Su Lin runs away from the child services near the end of the film.
0: She hides in the car.
1: Elvis is like, oh, it's, it's the car of the future. I know where that is. And then there's like a whole sequence where he has to sneak in after hours and then the guards chase him. That was kind of fun. Yeah as far as anything in this movie was fun.
0: Yeah, it was also in this movie, which means it sucks.
1: (laughs) But that car was a General Motors Firebird 3. Oh, cool. It was one of the world's first self-driving cars. Oh. It could be driven remotely using a joystick device. Weird. Yeah, which is pretty crazy they had that technology even all the way in 63.
0: That is pretty crazy. Very cool.
1: One fun little cameo. So before they visit the nurse's office for the first time, Elvis wins Sue Lin, this big red dog. But the guy playing the game attendant was Diamond Joe Esposito, one of Elvis's best friends and his road manager for when he was like on tour and stuff. Oh,
0: It's a
1: little fun cameo.
0: Very cool. Nice.
1: Okay, that's it. We're done. We don't have to talk about anything else. So let's do final thoughts. Wrap it up.
0: Bad movie. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bad movie. Go home. <laughs> so Morgan
1: would not recommend It Happened no. at the World's Fair.
0: Fuck this movie. It's not that bad. It's just, I don't, I just don't want to watch it anymore.
1: You don't have to. We're done.
0: Yay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great. <laughs> no, I want to
1: thank <laughs> everyone for listening to another episode of Elvis has left the movies. <gasps> okay. <laughs> Here we go. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. thank thank you, you very, very much. much.